the last reflection I'll be sharing with you. It's focused on the sentence of the commentary from Cardinal Ratzinger concerning the third secret of Fatima. Their life has itself become a Eucharist. When we enter this path that I've been sharing with you, of giving ourselves fully, surrendering to the Lord, becoming one victim with the victim of love, where it brings us is to union with Jesus in the Eucharist, becoming what's called living host. In the book, The Spirit and the Bride Say Come, it says it is precisely here at the cross that the role of Mary, the mother of sorrows, is most effective. She has been commissioned by Jesus on the cross, John 19:26, to prepare us for this baptism of suffering as she did Jesus. She wants to bring us to the docility of Jesus on the cross, a docility of total trust and obedience offering this as a sacrifice to the Father. By entrusting to her all that we are, by our consecration to her sorrowful and immaculate heart, we enable her to transform our weaknesses and our burdened hearts and thus prepare us for the Eucharistic sacrifice. She then will offer us up as a pleasing sacrifice to the Father, uniting us with the sacrifice of Jesus for the salvation of the world. Docility of total trust and obedience. That's the docility of the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. Imagine the docility of the heart of Jesus that he allows himself in obedience to the Father to give his life for us on the cross. Into your hands, Father, the book that you've been reading, it says, Do we really mean it when we say at every Mass, Say the word and I shall be healed. He comes to us to heal all wounds, to transform all sorrow into joy. Do we give him the opportunity to heal us? Do we show him our wounds? By his wounds we have been healed, we read in the first letter of Peter. The more we come in contact with these wounds, as I've been sharing with you, the more all of our wounds heal. In the Eucharist, the Lord comes to us wounded and sacrificed. That is the right moment to pray, Jesus, heal my wounds. At every time you re-receive the Eucharist, we should be begging the Lord, Jesus, you are entering in me. Your wounds are entering into me. Jesus, heal my wounds. I give you permission. The power of the hidden life is revealed, my sisters, in the Eucharist. As Jesus continues to suffer hidden in the Eucharist, he is teaching us how to suffer in our hidden lives with him. Our hearts must resemble the heart of Mary, full of thorns, 
so that like her our lives give away an abundance of roses. The angel of Fatima summed up her message in these words. Pray, pray a great deal. Offer up prayers and sacrifices to the Most High. Make everything you do a sacrifice and offer it as an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offended and in supplication for the conversion of sinners. That's what we've been speaking about all day long with each of you, individually, with the specific pearl of suffering that the Lord is permitting and blessing your life with. Above all, accept and bear with submission the suffering sent you by our Lord. That's the message of Fatima. Accept and bear because you trust in God. When you pray for knowledge, as Father Jordy was telling you yesterday, you have twofold knowledge, as he explained to you. Knowledge of our misery, knowledge of our nothingness, knowledge of our wounds, knowledge of our sin. But knowledge of who God is, knowledge of the immensity of God's love for each of us. When we come to know, not in our minds, my sisters, not intellectually, we can know, oh yes, God loves me. But in the depths of our heart, in the depths of our soul, we've experienced the love of God personally for each of us. Pray for that. Pray for that greater knowledge and experience and intimacy with love so great that you can trust Him and accept and bear with submission the suffering sent you by the Lord because you believe that He is allowing you to suffer those sufferings for your own purification to bring you to perfection in love and for the salvation that He's going to use you for for the salvation of other souls. In the book, The Spirit and the Bride Say, Come, it also says, For our Eucharist to be united and so effective, we need to yield to the Spirit, even as the gifts of bread and wine might be said to yield to the Holy Spirit and so become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Since they offer no resistance to the Spirit, they become what they signify. If we offer no resistance to the Spirit, we too become the body of Christ. It is in union with the sacrifice of Jesus that our intercession becomes united with His and so effective. Why is it that so many people receive the Eucharist? And we see such few people transformed. It's not because the Eucharist is not what it is, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The reason we're not transformed by the Eucharist has nothing to do with God. It has to do with us. Because we don't trust. We don't give God permission to enter into those deep places and heal us. We keep them closed. We keep them guarded. We do not give God permission to bring down the walls that we have set up the fortress around our heart. We need to pray at every Eucharist, my Lord, I want to become one with you in the Eucharist. I give you permission. I submit my will, allowing you 
to purify me. Benedict XVI taught us, there is no love without suffering. None of us want suffering. And yet we all have it. The key is, the saints, if there's one thing we learn from all the saints, is what they did with the suffering. They allowed their sufferings. They received their sufferings as the thorns. They allowed their sufferings to transform them. The difference with everybody else is they spent their whole life rejecting the suffering. The suffering is the means that the Lord gives each of us to purify us in love. The Eucharist, says Benedict XVI, the center of our Christian being is founded on Jesus' sacrifice for us. It is born from the suffering of love, which culminated in the cross. We live by this love that gives itself. It gives us the courage and strength to suffer with Christ and for him in this world, knowing that in this way our life becomes great and mature and true. Into your hands, Father. It's, he speaks about the Eucharist. Surrender is total on his part. That is what the Holy Spirit is bringing us to total surrender. He is body given and blood outpoured. He waits only for us to give ourselves. If we do so, union becomes a fact. That is why every saint is a victim soul. Because what does it mean again to be a victim of love? It means that you give yourself fully to the Lord. It's the exchange of wills. I encourage you to tell the Lord, yes, like Mary did, my Lord and my God, I will be your martyr of love. I will be your victim of love because I love you so much. I trust you so much. I want to give you everything I have. I want to hold nothing back. How amazing when we get to the last day of our life and we see Jesus face to face and we can honestly say, I gave you everything. I held nothing back. Wow. We go straight to heaven, my sisters. Those that wear the crown of thorns in the world are the ones that receive the crown of glory. There's no purgatory. Straight into the arms of our beloved. He comes to us offered and completely surrendered to us in the Eucharist in order to call forth the same surrender in us. If we do not receive the Eucharist with at least a desire for complete surrender, the whole thing becomes a lie. These words to me in this book are so powerful. Think about that. If we do not receive the Eucharist with at least a desire to surrender completely, it becomes a lie. We hinder God when we do not want to respond to his total surrender with our total surrender. Ask yourselves, honestly and truly in this retreat, do I come into the sacrifice of the Eucharist with this 
heart, with this desire in my heart. If not, ask the Holy Spirit tonight in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to know what to ask God for. Do you think that if we ask the Holy Spirit for the gift of the desire to give ourselves totally to God, He's not going to give it to us? How can that be? It's like one of our children asking us for something so good that we wouldn't give it to them. Of course not. It's just that we have, have you asked for this? I didn't know what to ask for this. The Lord had to teach me. Wow. The Lord taught us, trust and place all your confidence in the power of the hidden life being revealed to you now in my Eucharistic presence. I am the power of the hidden life. I want to possess you with my hidden life, which is the Eucharist, transforming you into living hosts. This transformation will take place as you live your hidden and interior life united to my interior crucifixion, suffering all with me and in me. In this way, the power of the hidden force will intensify with the fire of the Holy Spirit. When we speak about union with God, we're speaking about becoming one with His Eucharistic life. When we become one with His Eucharistic life, we become ourselves living host. Our life then moves beyond time and space. Our life then is, the, is one with the Eucharistic life of Jesus. It's amazing. That is union. That is what God wants for each of us. I am alive and present in the world in my Eucharist, but my living presence takes on human form in my living hosts. When I become alive in you through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's no longer you, but I who lives and takes my being in you. St. Paul. I am able to speak through your lips. My voice becomes audible through you. My hands touch and heal through your hands. I move outside the tabernacles through you, thus reaching out the four corners of the world. Jesus is a prisoner of love in the tabernacles of the world. I received that so powerfully when I was recently in Rome. A year ago, one of my sisters, Maria, that was traveling with us in Rome, saw a tabernacle and said, Lourdes, look at that. It looks like a prison. And I went back home and those words just stayed with me. And I said, she's right. He's a prisoner. You know, we, we make it so pretty, but he's a prisoner. And sometimes we feel like prisoners. Sometimes in our hearts, in our souls, we have this love. And we can't seem to find souls to share this with. Sometimes the closest ones to us. It's too intimate. It's too deep. Who's willing to go deep into the heart of Jesus? 
So we ourselves, my sisters, many times become prisoners of our own heart. I have felt that a lot in my life. You've opened your heart to me and I open my heart to you. But it was amazing because I received such a grace when I came back from Rome. Now I knew what to do. I said, I will be a prisoner with you, my Lord. The Lord was teaching me in his Eucharist how to live sometimes the solitude of my own life. And I said, I will live as a prisoner with you. But the Lord says, Lourdes, I want to reach, I want to speak to my daughters. I love them so much. Will you allow me to transform you and then go outside the tabernacle and allow me to speak through you? I come to you and I speak to you, but I come, the Lord has taught me with a certain detachment because I know it's not me. I share with you, all I share with you is what he has placed in my heart. And he has asked me, now you go and you transmit what I've placed in my heart. For a woman that spent most of my life silent, because the way I handled the wounds of my childhood was to retrieve. And I became so shy that I hardly spoke. Growing up, I was not, nobody knew me by my name. My sister's the opposite of me. She's all social. So I grew up and I was my sister's Vicky sister. That's who I was. Nobody even knew my name. I was so silent, so hidden. But the Lord, even though that was a disordered behavior that later he allows me to, to heal, the Lord permitted that. And now I see the greatness of what he was doing because he was already training me, even though through suffering, how to live as the hidden force, no longer in a disordered way, but in an ordered way in the Holy Spirit. So now I come in obedience to my Lord to speak whenever he calls me to speak, and then I leave. But I know that my life the power of my life is not even here speaking to you. Even the Lord will use this. But he's convicted me. The power of my life is the hidden force. Because I share with you, but I continue to live the sorrows of my heart. I continue to live silently with a smile on the outside. And the duties of my daily life as I pick up children, go to baseball games still homeschool my youngest daughter, do all the things that I do like you do. But in my heart, I'm united to the heart of my Lord, suffering with him in the hiddenness of my heart. And that is the greatest power of my life. That's what he's convicted me of. Hugh Owens, in a wonderful book, I, I tell you to... to um, Get if you can. It's called New and Divine Holiness. They don't have it in Amazon. But I think in our website, Father, we have that book and where you can order it. It really explains what a living host is. It's the New and Divine Holiness for these times for the church. He says, A living host is a person who performs his or her actions in eternity, together with Jesus, under the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. 
When a soul abandons herself to the will of the Father through the Holy Spirit and shares in the eternally present sufferings of Jesus, she becomes a living host. So, of course, the Lord wants us to unite, to suffer with him, because it is in that perseverance of suffering with Jesus everything that we become transformed into living host. As Regnum Christi women, I encourage you, through spiritual accompaniment, to help each other, woman to woman, suffer with the Lord everything. What I've been teaching you, it's part of the teachings of the church, the lives of the saints, help each other live this. Sometimes we need a coach. Everyone here that's had a baby knows that. When you're giving birth, there comes a time that you need your spouse next to you, reminding you how to breathe because you're losing it. We need that coach. So what happens? Many times when we enter a deep suffering, we can't think straight. We can't live this. We're too much in the pain. That's when we need a coach to remind us, to walk us through this so that we can bring life and birth. That's what you need to be to each other, coaches, coaching each other through this. When you specifically can't get through it. I'm going to end by teaching you, sharing with you what the Lord taught us about the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the power of God in the world. The love of God is the Eucharist and is transmitted through the Eucharist. Learn about the hidden life by contemplating my Eucharistic life. By sitting before the Blessed Sacrament. My sisters, try to be before the Blessed Sacrament as much as you can, daily if you can. Go to the Blessed Sacrament. That is where you're going to be transformed. Sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Look at the Lord. He's so small. He's so ordinary. He's so hidden. Why? To bring our most ordinary, little, nothing of a life to the greatness of God. God will teach each of you how to live your hidden, ordinary life through Him. What happens is that our ego really doesn't want to be so hidden, to be so ordinary to be so simple, to be unnoticed, unappreciated, unseen. Our ego really wants to be noticed. Our ego wants to do big things. That's our ego. But look at Jesus Christ himself. God becomes Eucharist. The humility. It is in becoming small. It is in living our nothingness that then the Spirit brings us to greatness, into the greatness of God himself. I am hidden from your human eye, but completely present. I am verbally silent, yet my soul speaks to your soul. I am humble, pure, simple, silent, generous, 
forgiving, merciful, patient, tender. I give myself fully to the good and the bad, to the deserving and the undeserving, to those that love me and to those that persecute me. I continue to love those that do not love me. I continue to love those that use me. I continue to love the unfaithful. I continue to love those indifferent to my love. I am left alone in the tabernacles of the world with few that come to be with me, to adore me, to give me thanks. I cry, but my tears are hidden. I intercede continuously before the throne of our Father for all. My hidden life in the Eucharist is seen by Abba and blessed by him who sees all. What I have learned through these words is that I look at my Jesus daily. I go daily to the Blessed Sacrament. And I've had to ask myself, who are those people in my life that are indifferent to my love? Who are those people in my life that really don't love me? Who are those people in my life that have been unfaithful to me? Those are the ones that I need to love. Because that's how Jesus loves. That's how he loves in the Eucharist. He gives us the grace, my sisters. Your ordinary and hidden life through the cross becomes united to my Eucharistic life. Your hidden life takes on the same power as my hidden life. You see, when we talk about the hidden force, what's the hidden force? The Eucharist. The hidden force is the Eucharist. The hidden life of Jesus in the Eucharist. It's the hidden force in the world. When we say we're becoming the hidden force, when you become the hidden force for your families, for the church, for Regnum Christi, for the legionnaires, you are becoming Eucharist. There's the power, my sisters, the power that is so great. These are my living hosts. In this union of love, you enter and live in the realm of God. Through me, with me, and in me, your most ordinary life is the power of God. Do you believe that? Satan will do everything possible when you leave here to, after a while, to make you doubt that. He does it to all of us, especially when our life is so ordinary and tedious. He'll start to put doubts in us. Is this really making a difference anywhere? Every day as I struggle with the same thing, disciplining teenagers, every day my husband and I look at each other and we're so tired. <laughs> and I said, yes, but we can't give up, honey. <laughs> every day it's the same thing. You know, and we think, you know, am I making a difference anywhere, Lord? You know, that's the lie of Satan. Yes. The Lord is saying, but when we live it united to him, to his cross. Your thoughts, words, deeds, but most especially your tears and sorrows of heart possess the power of God to bless the world. Your hidden life not seen by anyone is seen by God. And through me, with me, and in me, he blesses many. How many times do you go to the Mass and hear the priest say, through him, with him, and in him? And you just, you know, forget it. Do you realize what the Lord is teaching us? 
This is supposed to be our daily life. Through him, with him, and in him. Living host. Union with God. Those words of the Mass must become the reality of our daily living. They're not just words. They must take flesh in our daily, ordinary, tedious lives. And then our lives are transformed, no matter how boring they are, into greatness. This is the work of God. It's amazing. That's why life in the Spirit is so amazing. Because the most boring life can be an incredible adventure. My life ever since I've come into this grace has completely changed. There's nothing boring about my life. Every day is an adventure. It's so exciting. I've never been so full of life, so happy. It's amazing. Your life as one with my Eucharist life moves beyond time and space. Ponder my Eucharistic life with the Holy Spirit and Mary. I desire for you to help me for many living hosts to shine the light of God and to pierce darkness. You grow in holiness. Now think this last sentence. As your hidden life is lived to greater perfection in my hidden life. Think about that. Ponder that. Your growth in holiness is dependent upon your hidden life lived to greater perfection in the hidden life of Jesus in the Eucharist. St. Therese, I will end with her. The words of Isaiah depicting the man of sorrows were made by her the basis of her whole spirituality. She understood that true glory and the only royalty to be coveted lies in being unknown and esteemed as not, like Jesus crucified. How is it that St. Therese's life cloistered in a convent reaches the four corners of the earth? Because she becomes a living host. And her life goes beyond time and space. That is exactly what God wants to do with each of us. She says, My heart was torn with grief to see the precious blood falling to the ground and no one caring to treasure it as it fell. And I resolved to remain in, the, in spirit at the foot of the cross that I might receive the divine dew of salvation and pour it upon souls. Those are the words of Cardinal Ratzinger for the third secret of Fatima when it says, Beneath the arms of the cross, angels gather up the blood of the martyrs and with it they give life to the souls, making their way to God. That's exactly what St. Therese did for us and continues to do for us. And that's what we're called to do. That's what it means to become a living chalice. That the blood of Jesus, we cannot heal my sisters. We cannot restore. We cannot make new. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can do that. But we can become his chalices. So that his blood is poured out through us. Especially through our wounds that are healed. That is what we can do.
And Jesus will heal, restore, renew through us, through our hands, through our eyes, through our words. But most especially through the prayer of our pure suffering in the hiddenness of our hearts. Beneath the arms of the cross, angels gather up the blood of the martyrs, and with it they give life to the souls, making their way to God. Do you want me to read the last? Do you want me to end by reading to you that again, the 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 commentary? Okay, let me get it. I won't read the secret. You can read that on your own, and um, you can find this on our website. You can find it in in the Vatican website. And also, just about everything I've shared with you here today is in our website under what's called The Path. Um, Lovecrucified.com is the website of, of, love, of our community. And the Lord has asked us to write this path for the church, for many to be blessed. So it's, on, it's in the website, but know that it's a work in progress. Father Jordi and I are really trying hard to, to finish it. It's... It's been redone up to, I think, page 76. So pray for us that we can finish this labor of love. Okay, commentary by Cardinal Ratzinger on the third secret of Fatima. Now that you've heard everything for the last three reflections, think about this now and how you are going to enter the third secret of Fatima and become the women, the lay women, that are part of this remnant that God is using for the salvation and for this decisive battle we're entering. Beneath the arms of the cross, angels gather up the blood of the martyrs, and with it they give life to the souls making their way to God. Here, the blood of Christ and the blood of the martyrs are considered as one. The blood of the martyrs runs down from the arms of the cross. The martyrs die in communion with the passion of Christ, and their death becomes one with his. For the sake of the body of Christ, they complete what is still lacking in his afflictions. Their life has itself become a Eucharist. Part of the mystery of the grain of wheat which is dying yields abundant fruit. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of Christians, said Tertullian. As from Christ's death, from his wounded side, the church was born. So the death of the witnesses is fruitful for the future life of the church. Therefore, the vision of the third part of the secret so distressing at first concludes with the image of hope. No suffering is in vain, and it is a suffering church, a church of martyrs, which becomes a signpost for man in his search for God. The loving arms of God welcome not only those who suffer like Lazarus, who found great solace there and mysteriously represents Christ, who wished to become for us the poor Lazarus. There is something more. From the suffering of the witnesses, there comes a purifying and renewing power because their suffering is the actualization of the suffering of Christ himself and a communication in the here and now of its saving effect. 